There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi, I'm Nicholas Brendan, and you're listening to the Buffy Back Issue Ben. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue Ben, the show where we go through all the Buffy and Angel comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. And... And this is Charlie, and that's Kirby. <laughs> Welcome to all of the animals ever on this recording. Everyone felt they needed to be a part of this. That's not true. The sugar glider's not down here, and he would make his voice known. He Yes, he's very vocal. So. But the dog and the cat are here. Means I can't have the book on my lap. We really need that book on your lap. Otherwise, we are just put it on your talking lap. out of our ass. There's a dog there. Finale. I liked it. End of show. Things happened. But the cat is purring. You can't take the purring cat off my lap. That cat has been around for a day or two. He's a good boy. Who are you talking to? The cat? The dog? Me? All of them. All right. I made good boy quota <laughs> status. Oh, look, and I opened up to the page we needed to. What are the chances? Because you put bookmark in it. Because these library editions come with a fancy ribbon. Are they really called b- library editions? Yeah, these are called the library editions. Hmm. I have more of a library than you do. I am a library that you pay for. It's not a library then. Well. It's a bookstore. Libra- You're a bookstore. All right. Let's get into this arc. What you want, not what you need. Bye. Christos Gage and Rebecca Isaacs to this, you know, 75% of the way to a Rolling Stone song. We're back at Alistair's house. We're hanging out with Giles. And his, his body, dead corpse. And, and his bowl. soul. His soul in a bowl. Yes. And his body has been restored by the crown of coils, so that's awesome. Good for him. Angel, Faith, Spike, and Alistair are going to put that soul back in that body. And Alistair's like, great. So now we have the soul and we have the body. Everything's cool except that they're not together. Any great plans, Angel? He has a spell. Okay, problem. There's no magic in the world, so spells don't really work anymore. They might if they're in some kind of hub that a guy has a bunch of magic for. A.K.A. magical objects that we could siphon magic from. And the quick gist of this spell is that it will kill whoever is doing the incantation, but since Angel's already dead, hey, guess what? You know, things will be fine. What would the being a dead person? It's called the Lazarine incantation, by the way. We're still stuck with the fact that there are some magical objects where we are, but we're really fuzzy on the details about how we extract the magic from them. Yeah, details. So, anyway. Giles is magic. Angel has a scroll. There's a bunch of magic around him. Deal with it. And Faith is like, I'm out. And then she gets a phone call from Buffy. And she's like, hey, we need some help over here. What with Dawn is dying? And Faith goes, who the hell is Dawn? We're not helping some chick or man we don't know. Somehow she seems to know it's Dawn with a W. Could have been Dawn with an O-N. She doesn't know. Well, when what with the, the transcription of Faith's writing. Uh, Faith I'm just speaking. saying, it could have been Dawn as a man. Yeah, but. Um, and Angel and Faith are like, no, we got things going on here. We're not going to go help Dawn. That masculine man, Don. Okay, they both know it's a girl because Faith said some girl I, named Don. Yeah, I know. But that's okay. Spike, meanwhile, is freaking out. Spike perks right up, which says a lot about how this magic works. Because over on the Buffy side of things, we know that Don is literally fading away. And the way it seems to be going is people who are less connected to Don are losing that connection sooner and spike who has one of these stronger connections to dawn clearly remembers her and immediately freaks out yeah and angel's like i don't know what you're talking about buffy's an only child and faith is just like yeah this doesn't make any sense i don't know what you're doing but we don't even know her so we're not gonna help and spike has no time for this crap he's like spike out i'm helping dawn in all of the comics and the tv shows this might be my favorite spike moment of all time yeah he's been in this arc for all of four pages and he's 
done. He's he's gone for the rest he of the year. He doesn't care. He's, he's going where his priorities are. And I like that. I like Spike with his relationships with characters of the opposite sex that aren't like, I'm trying to sleep with you. Like the relationship he had with Fred. And that also goes with like the relationship he has with Don, which are really the only two characters that fall into that category. Yeah. Everyone else he's trying to have sex with. Yeah. Yeah. Willow? There was that one time in season four where they had the whole erectile dysfunction conversation. We tried to bite her and the chip like blew up in his head. He's like, this has never happened to me before. She's like, well, maybe you can try again a little bit later. Yeah. He's like, no. I... She's like, I never knew you wanted me that way. He's like, no, you remember last year when you had like the pink frilly sweater on? She's like, I had no idea. He's like, oh, of course. Like any boy would be lucky to bite you that kind of crap. Yeah, I vaguely remember this. Yeah, I've seen this show once or twice. Have you? Yeah. Yes. Do tell. How many times? So yes, Spike also wanted to bone Willow. Or kill her. Either way. One of your vampire metaphor flies right out the window. Look at Spike's cheekbones in this page. So high. So high, so defined. So fit. He is very fit. In the British sense or the American sense? What's the British sense? Hot? Attractive? Okay, what's the American sense? In shape? We are two ships passing in the night here. I'm not hearing your (laughs) difference in definition. The American version is more of an athletic thing. The British version is more just... Hot? Yes, hot. I'm hearing the same thing. Okay, he's fit in all senses of the word. He still has black fingernails, so... So less. He's now less hot. Yeah. Yeah, Spike leaves. Forever. But Giles is still there, in the dead state, with his soul being in a bowl. And Angel's like, hey, we know you have all the magical artifacts ever. We need your help. And after some quick back and forth, he agrees. He's like, you're gonna do it either way. You might as well do it with... The best chance you have to bring Giles back. He being Alistair. Alistair was not particularly pleased with this plan, mostly because he's like, I don't actually think it's going to work, and you're going to ruin all my stuff. And my stuff is kind of the only thing I've left, because... I have noticed with some of my editing, I'm not always great playing the pronoun game. You mean using them? Yeah, sometimes it's like, he, she, when I'm listening back, I'm like, I didn't identify who the he or she was. Right. So, there we go. I identified. Sometimes I'm crap at that. Sorry. Sometimes you forget to use the word I. You drop that one just entirely. And Alistair signs off on all of this, but says they also need some help. Angel and Faith gonna need to be there, but Sophie and Lavinia are also gonna need to be there to help bring back the memory of Giles to restore the soul into the body properly. Yeah. Um, important to note as well that Alistair has had some special magic thing. Protecting the rest of the world from knowing that he has magic. He basically has a magic ad blocker. Yeah. Or like a cloaking device, but sure. You can go with ad blocker. It works. And Sophie and Lavinia both talk to Angel and Faith much like they did earlier in the season. Lavinia is talking to Angel. She's like, good for you, bringing Giles back. And Sophie is talking to Faith. She's like, good for you, bringing Giles back, but you might need to kill everyone. Yeah, mostly Giles. She's worried that because Sophie, we find out, had a young man with whom she was involved during World War II and he died in the Blitz. And she tried to bring him back using magic, but it didn't didn't work. He came back worse than he was before. It's actually really tragic. Like It is really sad. These two characters who have been basically interchangeable all along, who are just like entirely vain, all of a sudden we get like this really sad backstory. And it's one panel. And that's, it's heartbreaking. And Sophie goes, I was stupid and selfish. And the hardest thing I've ever had to do was put it right to end his suffering. And she's like. She had to kill, like she brought him back and she had to kill him. That is some dark stuff. Yeah. It's very effective storytelling. It kind of harkens back to that first round of separate separate conversations that they had. It does. It's 100% that, yeah. And we were 
speculating on the two sisters playing off one one another for entertainment's sake. But we get here that it might not just be entertainment, that it might be that Sophie just has... Trauma in her life, and Lavinia also knows about this. She's not, like, unaware of this. Right, but that Sophie has an actual history with this type of magic and, and understands the tragedy that can come after it as well. And so she gives Faith the task of killing Giles if he comes back wrong. Dark. Yeah. So Angel goes to the only place who knows how to go. Rooftop. Goes to a rooftop. To clean a sword. Stop being you so much. Me or, or Angel? Angel. Okay. And Faith just checks with him. She's like, you ready to do this? He's like, yeah, let's go to work. So back to the fire next to Giles' body and the soul and the bowl and all that good stuff. And everybody's finally back there. So Angel starts reading the spell off. It's an Aramaic. His Aramaic is rusty. He's not great at it. It's not very good. In pretty. all fairness, my Aramaic would be terrible as well. Yeah, probably. Do you have any idea what that says? Not in the slightest. Okay. Well, I know you read it from right to left. I got that much. Huh. Okay, cool. I think. Again, my Aramaic is... Appalling? N- none. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the job interview I went to? Where I sat down in the... With an Aramaic? No, it was for French. But the first question they asked me was, how good is your Spanish? And I was like, not good. I don't speak Spanish. It's not on my resume. And they were like, yeah, but how is your Spanish? Can you read some Spanish for us? And they like gave me a page of Spanish to read. And I was like, I don't, I don't know Spanish. But while Angel is reading his incantation, green fire erupts into Alistair's house now that his magical barrier has been broken down. And who should show up? But Pearl and Nash. And Pearl and Nash and Whistler all show up. They're like, hey, you guys doing a thing? We're here for your magic. And then a big old fight breaks out. Pearl and Nash attack Faith and Angel. And here's something that I was a little disappointed by when I originally read it. Yes. Angel gets his half of his face burned by this green fire that Pearl and Nash produce from like hands and eyes and whatever. And How do you An- produce fire from both your hands and eyes? <sighs> whatever, magic. But his face is messed up. He gets blasted in the face and he is horribly scarred. There's like these blistering wounds. You know what happened? I was like, oh my God, Angel is going to be scarred forever. He's not. He'll be fine. Real quick. Doesn't matter. It would have been not cool if he were scarred forever, but interesting. Yeah, just the intensity of his immediate injury is so intense. It looked like it was going to be a permanent thing and it's not. No. Which is a little disappointing, just because the way it's originally presented, it looks like it's going to be like, Angel is messed up in the face forever. Like, a guy who's literally named for, like, having an angelic face. Oh, is that why he's named Angel? Yeah. Oh. That's going way back. Was that his Irish name? Liam. Oh, that's William. Yeah, him and Spike have the same name. That's so weird. Buffy likes her some Billies. I feel like I've never really thought about that. They're both William. Yeah, they're both William. That is weird. So the fight continues and everyone around it is supposed to be picturing like Giles and their mental projection of Giles is going to bring him back. And there's a gigantic flash of light and Faith just goes, what do we do? And bam, issue ends. Is Giles going to be back? Is he dead forever? Spoiler alert. He's fine. He's not dead forever. Well, I should say he's not fine. It's not. And just so we're clear, this is something that I love about the comic version of Buffy and Angel. Like, this is the first time it felt like that we're doing something that the show never could have done. Right, exactly, because... It's not just Giles that we get back. It's baby Giles! It's like 13-year-old Giles. 12-year-old Giles. Also, can we talk about how Aster looks like Beast here? Like Hank McCoy Beast? Yeah. I guess he's furry. He's I mean, a, it's he's the old com- man furry. He's in shadow, so he's colored blue, but it's the same blue 
as Beast from the X-Men. And also, he kind of looks like... This is more of his Avengers era blue. Well, I can't help that, but he looks kind of like Kelsey Grammer as him. Okay. But, yeah, so Faith and Angel were picturing, like, old man Giles, and Lavinia and Sophie were picturing Giles as a child, because that's when they knew him the best and cared for him the most. So, the spell kind of found a medium and produced 12 or 13-year-old Giles. So, yeah, Giles is back from the dead, but... As something we've never seen before. Baby Giles. Young teen Giles. Tween Giles. Tweeny Bopper. Do you think he listens to Kids Bop? Did you know that Kids Bop still exists? No. Do you know what Kids Bop is? Yeah. Huh? I'm not going to question that. I'm just going to roll with it. Wait, isn't that like... When the kids sing kids versions of modern pop songs, why, yes, that is Kids Bop. No, I guess I didn't. I was thinking about like... Bop? What they call like now? Now that's what I call music? Yeah, that's the one. We're on like million and seven That's what I was thinking of. But no, Kids Bop is where they take the versions versions of adult songs and they make them kid-friendly and then have kids sing them. So it's everything you would hate in this world and I'd really like to play it for you right now. So yeah, Giles is back and Giles is also pissed. Giles also puts on a sweater between these two panels. Oh, he wants to be dressed. He's chilly. Yeah, Giles comes back and he's wearing the clothes he was buried in. Messed up. So he throws on the sweater. I like that Giles then yells at Lavinia and Sophie and goes, You have ruined my life! Again! (laughs) I know, he's like, I hate you. I hate you so much. Twice over! I like how he doesn't yell at Angel or Faith. He knows exactly whose fault it is. Oh, he yells at Angel and Faith, but in a different way. He's like, Angel, you're so stupid. You try and do a big thing to make up for everything. You should be trying to stop the end of the world. Hey, happy to be alive, but also, f*** you, buddy. He doesn't say that part. He should have. No. And then he hugs Faith and stares deep into her cleavage and gets a boner. Yep. I know you were not a fan of that. I appreciate Faith and Giles's paternal slash daughter relationship. I just, I don't like that they cheapen that relationship. I don't think it's cheapening it. I think it's readjusting Giles' perspective. Like, he's not what he was. He's something different. And it's something that he also has to cope with. It feels cheaper to me. It doesn't feel cheap because I don't think he's like, it's not, he's not going, I want to sleep with Faith. He's just dealing with a reaction that he's unaccustomed to i understand all that still feels cheap i think especially because he is horribly embarrassed by it as he should be yeah i mean he should he should be mortified and go crawl back in a hole he is mortified where's the hole inside of a jersey that he throws on yeah i know you don't like it but i totally buy it and if anything for me that's kind of what solidifies that this isn't the giles that we knew It's not just an old man yelling out of a young man's body. It's someone who's dealing with weird hormonal situations that he hasn't had to deal with in many years. It's a different guy, to a point. Then his glasses would be wrong. I doubt he has the same prescription as a 12-year-old. I didn't. So, for all the bad he did and all of the weirdness, Angel succeeds at his plan. He brings Giles back, not as he was, but still gets him there. Yeah, he's still very much a viable human being. Which is shocking on many levels. Better than a dead human being. Yeah, but also like... And better than an Igon corpsey human being. Angelus didn't come out. So fleshy. Let's be shocked about that. I don't think bringing Giles back is going to bring him pure happiness. No, but I mean like when they were like, there's gonna... three souls inside of you. <laughs> yeah, One of them's going to come out. That's going to be cathartic, Angel. Like, I brought you back. Tell me how wrong I was. What? 
Angelus comes out at like pure happiness. Oh. Sad Angel comes out with everything else. Like, tell me. Tell me I'm a bad demon. Yes, poor Angel. Life is rough. But Death is rough. I don't know. This it's almost the opposite of the Connor effect. Like he wanted to bring his infant son back, brought back a late teenager. In Boo. this case he wanted Easy does it. Just commentary. Moving on. In this case he wanted to bring an old man back and brought a young boy back. Yeah. I haven't really thought about that before. It's the exact opposite of Connor. But he succeeds. He gets Giles back. And in a world where Buffy and Angel have always been so predicated on the idea of, like, you do a thing, you have consequences for it. This is the first one... That worked, more or less? Essentially, yeah. Yeah. That I can think of. There might be a few other examples, but off the top of my head, I think this is the first one that kind of paid off. In, like, a big way, yeah. So, really, a positive ending for everybody. So far. And while everyone is celebrating and Lavinia and Sophie are trying to doll him up like a big boy. No, they just want to treat him like an actual doll. Yeah. Faith runs off to her roof and Giles goes and speaks to her. He's like, hey, sorry about the boner. Actually, he just apologizes for the staring. I appreciate that he drinks Darjeeling still. Yeah, but he also talks to Faith and he has kind of a prepubescent emotional breakdown. He's like, I'm a big boy and I have real feelings and I have something to add. But he also talks to Faith. He's like, also, you don't need me anymore. You're an adult. You're grown up. You're responsible. As much as you might have wanted me back, you don't need my role as what it was before. Which is really sweet. It is sweet. His voice also cracks in the middle of that speech. Yeah, I do like that. And just in general, we should talk about the art with young Giles. It looks like what a young Giles would look like. Yeah, his hair's right and his expressions are right. I'm not sure whether he keeps getting all of the Boston sports paraphernalia, because right now he's wearing a Red Sox jersey. Actually, it's a Trot Nixon shirt. Oh my gosh. Is that dating it? No, it's just, it's Trot. It is Trot. I mean, yeah, it's dating it, but Trot. You're asking the wrong guy. Trot, Trot to Boston. I've never heard about this individual before right now. Trot Nixon? You've never heard of Trot Nixon? Never. Hmm. Are we divorced now? No, it was just before we were dating. Okay. Now that we are married, it's very important that you know certain players' names. I know Aaron Rodgers. That's good. That's an important one. I know it is for you. But he plays football. Yeah? Mm-hmm. How are you doing with the Red Sox? How many sports do I have to keep track of? Red Sox, Green Bay Packers. Okay. Those are the biggies. I'll do my best. Hmm. And everyone reconvenes, and they come up with a plan. They need to stop Whistler, Pearl, and Nash, and everyone's going to help. Sophie, Lavinia, Alistair, and the rest. And they find on a map where potential magic is taking place, including at the deeper well. Side note, that might be important for the next arc that we cover. Something that you kind of just brushed over real quick. Giles has a pretty emotional moment here with everybody when they're gearing up to go on their adventures. And he's like, look, I really appreciate that you brought me back. Like, to know that you guys missed me that much, that you bothered to try to bring me back when there's no magic in the world and all that, that means a lot. But... You know, if anything happens, I'll really be content to stay dead this time. Well, last time his spirit was also trapped by Igon. And everybody else is so like... So it really kind of sucked for him before being dead. Everybody else is kind of like me too. Um, Angel's like, I should have died three centuries ago. Faith was like, I never figured I'd live this long. And then Sophie and Lavinia are like, resurrect me if anything happens. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, everybody heads out to go to the place that the map indicates. That isn't the deeper well. And turns out that... Nash and Pearl have already started their destruction of the world. And Whistler. Mostly Whistler is there. Basically their quick gist is they are going to create a bomb. A magical bomb to bring magic back to the world as a whole. 
and they're going to throw it up into the upper atmosphere to disperse over everything and bring magic back so Whistler can bring balance back to the world. And side note, they also call it the plague, so nobody is under any misconceptions as to its benefit to humankind. The plague, we're going to bring the plague out. Magic plague. Booyah. Who says that still? Whistler, I assume. He's real old-timey. He says booyah. Okay. And everyone's ready. Alistair and Giles are going to perform some magic. Lavinia and Sophie are on backup. And Angel and Faith arrive, diving headfirst into this swarm of magic on a rooftop. Angel's favorite place. Yep. So endeth the issue. Ironically, it ends with Whistler saying, it all ends here. Well, it does. Mm-hmm. We're just about done with the season. So everybody starts fighting. Whistler's like, I'm focusing on the big picture. I'm trying to bring magic back. You guys are trying to ruin everything. Whistler is trying to build his magical bomb and sends Pearl and Nash after Faith and Angel, which in all fairness is relatively effective because it distracts the hell out of them. It really does. And they they try to do some fun things to distract Pearl and Nash, but nothing really works. Yeah, I mean, they're hacking, slashing about. There's a mace. There's a mace to the face. There's some sword slashing. Really, I mean, the rest of this arc is going to be kind of a quick recap because it's mostly fighting. But then we get a new player in our game. Nadira comes out of nowhere. She's just like, I'm here to avenge all of the Slayers and I'm angry and And finally she has directed her anger towards the correct people. Pearl and Nash. My shtick isn't old yet. Side note. Your shtick is old. It's kind of old. But I appreciate that at least she's placing the blame where it belongs as opposed to on Twilight Angel. She saves Angel. She slashes Nash Nash in the back. Yeah, Nash is the boy. I know, they're always so together. Yeah. You have to think about like, which one's Pearl? Pearl is the lady. Cat, you're get off the book. You're preventing us from turning the page to do a recap. But he's purring and he likes it. And so with Pearl and Nash kind of under control with the two Slayers, Angel goes back to Whistler and he's like, give me the plague. And Whistler's like, no. What a recap that was. And Whistler turns into a giant demon, a giant blue flamey demon. With horns. He grows ram horns. He grows fire all around of his head and hands. And one of Angel's weaknesses is fire, which in all fairness is one of my weaknesses. Yeah, so we're supposed to believe... I always love that. That's one of my favorite things with, like, supernatural kind of, like, characters in comics. So to do, like, one of the weaknesses is, like, fire or decapitation. Like, you know what? My weaknesses are also fire, decapitation. I don't deal well with those things. No. Let's hope I you do, don't run across those things. I do real poor with both of them. Yeah. I burn and die. Yes, very true. But Whistler turns on his demon half that he says resembles his mother, and is like, I'm going to kill you, Angel, now, and can somehow shoot fire out of his hands. Fun fact. He has fire hands. Did you guys know Whistler has fire hands? I didn't. I'm laughing a little bit, but I actually do like this art quite a bit. Charlie, did you know? Charlie didn't know either. And while Faith and Nadira are fighting, Faith gets this revelation that Nadira is fighting so hard because all she has left is hatred for those who harmed her in the past. Nadir is the dark version of Faith, and considering Faith is the dark version of Buffy... Nadir is like double dark. That's a dark on dark. Like a chocolate, chocolate, chocolate chip cookie. Chocolate? No, there's no chocolate in the house. Yeah, there is. Is there? Chocolate chips. All right. Anyway. I believe you. I haven't eaten it all. And Nadir is fighting for her life, trying to kill Pearl and Nash. And while Faith is having this revelation, Nadira gets blasted in half, charboiled, if you will. Yeah, and just... She's real melty, like half her face, half her everything. 
is just kind of melting off of her skeleton. It's, it's not super pretty. super gross, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of melting in this arc, and this is the first of the melts. Gross. Well, it is. You read it, you know. She's not dead. She's just half burned to death. Yeah. Which is better than being fully burned to death, I guess. I suppose. So Nash tries to fly the plague ball up to... The upper atmosphere. Yeah, the upper atmosphere. So it's going to have maximum dispersal if it's up super high. Right. And Angel is still fighting Whistler, who's now a demon. Faith is still fighting Pearl. Nadira is kind of dead. (laughs) Mostly. Mostly dead. Very Princess Bride-like. I was going to say Monty Python. Flesh wound? No, no, when they were gathering up all the bodies. Oh, yeah. After the plague. Appropriately enough. But Angel throws a sword at Nash to try and get him. Epically. This is going to be a piercing sword to end the fight. And it's like the last panel on one page and it like goes through three panels on the next page. And all of a sudden it just gets batted away by Nash. Yeah, the onomatopoeia is literally bat. And then clang. Which and is, it falls back to the roof. This is probably the most like weeded moment in this entire arc. It was like the big epic moment. It's just totally undercut. Oh, well. Details, details. And they're just like, oh, crap. That was kind of our Hail Mary because Pearl and Nash can fly and none of us can. But Giles and Alistair have been working and they can't seem to really make spells out of the magic that that they're pulling from Pearl and Nash and Whistler. Except they can make fireballs. They it's can they can kind of weird and inconsistent. The magic, but they can't control it. Yeah, like that. you know what? You can try and make sense of it. It's kind of nonsense. Basically they can make enough magic to shoot a fireball at Nash. And it knocks the plague out of his hand and also kind of incapacitates him for a little while. Problem is that now the plague has fallen down into London. London is now... London, England? Not great. Which part? All of that. The plague or the accent? Uh, Literally everything, yeah. The plague erupts and things go from fine to terrible really fast in this very concentrated area. People are vomiting up gigantic bugs. People are turning into centaurs. People are turning on fire like it's just crazy their faces are melting off we're back to the melty bits yeah it's just this it's not like hey i have superpowers now like that and it's also really painful looking yeah it's supposed to be like torturous kind of like oh you're magical now but in the worst way possible helpfully our intrepid heroes have taken some magic potion thingy so that that doesn't happen to them yeah Conveniently. Sophie and Lavinia hit the streets trying to talk everyone out of being terrible and afraid. They go up to a guy who's on fire. He's like, I can't stop it. And they're like, well, if you were going to burn to death, you would have already. You just need to repress those feelings. We're British. No one represses like we do. I do quite like Sophie and Lavinia. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, they're a lot of fun. They are. They're some of my favorite characters that have come out of like the comics as a whole. And they're also very... Uh, they've hidden depth, and I like that about them. Oh yeah, they're so full of themselves, but they also have, like, this love of humanity as a whole. They're full of themselves, but they have enough... Empathy. ...actual talent and empathy to back it up that that it's clever and fun. And all the while, Angel is fighting Whistler, and he grabs him by the horns. He's like, look at what you've done! So while all of this 1980s body horror is going on, Nadira decides to stand up and do some Hamilton lyrics. Not yet. Yeah. And we find out that she's not actually dead. She should be dead. She looks very dead. She's super melty. She basically just has open flesh everywhere except for half of her face. She's two-faced, but not evil. Just drunk. Is she drunk? Usually is. Nadira? Yeah. I guess so. 
I doubt she's drunk right now. So, meanwhile, Nadira is like, I'm not done yet. I'm going to kill everybody. Faith and Angel are frantically looking for the plague orb. And Alistair and Giles have also been looking for this. Meanwhile, Pearl and Nash have also been looking for this, right? Because the plague orb is going to self-destruct at some point. So they need to make sure that it's in that upper atmosphere before it self-destructs. It's or else a it's just time bomb. Yeah, or else it's just going to magic that one little area, not the whole world. It's weird because Whistler's like, we need to get to the upper atmosphere. Like, that's where it's going to do the least amount of damage. It's only going to kill two billion people. The least amount of damage with the most amount of effectiveness. Still two billion. That's a high-ish number. Yeah, it's a third. Third of population. I mean, we're up to seven now. Well, back then it was a third. Back in the day. So, thankfully, Giles and Alistair are able to find it, only to have it stolen by Nash really fast. Because they start arguing. He's like, nah, I got this. Yeah. And while Nash goes up to put it in the upper atmosphere... Nadira jumps down on him with a sword, stabs him through the back. But not that well, because she is thrown down immediately. Into a wall. And so Faith is very upset. She's still fighting Pearl. And she uses the mace to whack the sword all the way through Nash's back. Through his heart. Through his stupid, stupid heart. And out the other side. I think through his stupid, stupid heart really clarified that it went through him, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Faith for a minute. Poor Faith. Or not poor Faith. Faith comes in season three of Buffy. She is the reckless, rebellious one. She's dancing with the assorted vampires in the bronze, staking them left and right, not going to school. How old is Faith? Never identified. Because she always seemed a little bit older than Buffy. I kind of assume they were the same age, but could be wrong. I don't know. Well, just because truancy laws would kick in at some point but yeah faith goes evil goes more evil becomes fine after being suicidal Mm -hmm. and now faith is responsible faith has had an arc yeah yeah she's she's... more than at this point she's more than just the opposite of buffy she's more than just when she's introduced faith is essentially buffy's id yep like the thing that buffy can't give into and at this point she's grown far more than what that original intention was she's a character she's someone with an arc she's become more than what her beginnings were if faith is buffy's id did buffy have a super ego no i don't know did she can you think of one not really but just i mean because id and super ego are really opposites whereas i was just trying to sound smart darker version Eh, faith was the version of buffy that if you gave into it you're yeah no, I know where, I know where you're going with this. I totally agree. Faith has become more than that. And I buy it. I buy it so much. I get that, like, her going over to Angel and, like, getting her to kill herself as rock bottom and then going to jail and trying to atone for what she's done, then trying to bring Angel out of everything, and then trying to help Buffy stop the first. And now she's standing on her own two feet for the first time, and I love it. Do you know what my one of my favorite things about this whole thing is? Is that at the end of the whole season faith is the one with a plan of this is what i'm gonna do you all can figure out what you're gonna do but i'm gonna go work with kennedy i'm gonna have a job i'm gonna be responsible i'm gonna use my talents to make money and kind of make something of myself all by myself what's funny about this season and i mean also going into next season as well is in my mind, despite having far fewer episodes, Faith was always more of an angel character to be than she was a Buffy character. She did more growth on the angel side than she did on the Buffy side, even though she had probably four times as many episodes on Buffy. Well, yeah, because 
like you were saying please before, don't check my math on that i won't don't worry anyone please don't look and nash is dead and pearl freaks the hell out and says I guess, understandably crack a tomb i thought you would like that oh you normally like onomatopoeias like i that. do they remind me a lot of like the walter simonson thor kind of run yeah which i'm a big fan of yep and i so... like a big lightningy noise dog kicks the book down thanks dog so Faith rushes over to Nadira, who is really on her last legs at this point, and she has the orb, the plague orb, and is holding it right next to Nadira, trying to fix Nadira. I'm not really sure what she thinks it's going to do, but the answer is not really anything. She'll do your mojo, the magic. Yeah. And they're all like, fine, we just, we've got to get rid of it. We have to, we have to bring the balance back. And, that, and Whistler's like, that's all I ever wanted to do. It's about to blow. And the issue ends with Angel and Whistler getting it on. Not like that. Well, yeah, it's not sexy. You said it like that. I didn't say it's sexy. They're fighting. They're fighting it out. I was doing it like Celebrity Deathmatch. Let's get it on. I've never seen that. Is that an actual show? It's an amazing show. Is it really a show? Yeah, it's great. Oh. It's all claymation Sounds odd. Celebrities fighting each other to the death. That sounds very odd. It's a great show. Memory serves. I haven't seen it in a bit. And we start our last issue. Not a one shot. It's an actual continuation of the arc, which is the first one we've had this season. It's nice, because it really needed the five parts to it to make it work. Even though most of it's action, and it's all happening in the same, like, I don't know, two-hour period of time. Yeah. But I like it. Angel and Whistler are fighting on top of said roof. And Whistler's like, it's all about balance. And Angel's like, really? It's all about Mm -hmm. the fact that when the magic was gone from the world, your balance got thrown off, and now you can't see straight, and so you're doing anything to bring the magic back. But that's not bringing the balance back to the world. It's bringing your balance back so you can finally make some right decisions. Yeah. Angel's like, you're just doing a great grandiose gesture to try and make everything right. You don't get to do that. Only I get to do that. Yeah, but the difference is that Whistler was not the one who actively broke the seed. Usually Angel is the one that actively causes the problem that he tries to fix. Angel's always the problem. He's a problem child. He really is. Should I do an ACDC music drop there? What would that be? Problem child. That's a song? Yes. I had no idea. I'm a problem child. That's all I need, I guess. There you go. (laughs) Just me. So Angel steals the orb of blowing plague from Whistler. Whistler's like, give it back. And Angel's like, no. Um, you're really discounting the fight here. Angel's basic plan is like, well, it's about to blow. So the best way to prevent it from blowing is to seep out the energy a piece at a time, and the only way that I can do that is to poke a hole in it using your stupid, stupid horns. Yes, that's true, too. So he pierces a hole in it to slowly release the pressure of this magical doodah. And meanwhile, Whistler's like, you're an idiot. You don't think I can patch that hole? So he does. Yeah, you know, basically has a, essentially he has a patch kit and calls it a day. It's cheap, not quite as effective, but, you know, it'll do the job. And Whistler tries to turn the tables on Angel and say, look, this is all your fault. Like, you'd have just done what I wanted you to do when you were Twilight. We wouldn't have had to gone through all of this. You had your weird space sex. And yet Angel is still like, no. And Whistler, through all this, turns back into human-looking Whistler. So he's kind of gotten his magical fix. He's been jonesing for some of that pure stuff, and now he's back, baby. Back to being balanced himself. So hopefully back to seeing what the world needs for restored balance. I mean, Angel as a whole has always worked as kind of like an alcoholic metaphor. And Whistler has now decided, like, you know what? I'm the alcoholic metaphor. Yeah. He got his fix. And so now he can see straight again, basically. Weird way to take that metaphor. Well. Sometimes you just need it in you. 
<laughs> I wish everyone could see that face you just gave me. It wasn't a good face, just so we're clear. It's kind of true, though. Like, it, Angel at its core is very much an alcoholic metaphor, like the guy who's just, like, one drink away from, like, going over very literally. Hmm. Like, blood drink, but still. Um, And I think this is really interesting. So now that Whistler's back into a man, he just goes, Angel, what did I do? And And he can finally understand that his plan was... Not only insane, but murderous and, and selfish. And selfish. Now that he's got a fix and he's high on magic. And he and Angel's like, you have to dissolve it somehow. And he's like, I can't. It's a critical mass. It's going to blow. And the only thing I can do is to keep it. To keep it contained inside of me. Whistler pulls a Doyle uh-huh. and has all the magic explode within him. Which, once again, much like Nadir, leaves him as a melty, melty man. Yeah. But he's not just two-faced melty. He's full-faced melty. Right. And Angel's like, what can I do? Whistler, Whistler, what happened? And Whistler's like, you've already saved me and those other two billion people. So I think you're good. You're fine. I'm just going to die here now. You probably have another 200 years to make up for. Probably. You suck, but I'm dead now. Whistler out. Pretty much. And then Angel says something that I thought you probably enjoyed very much. He walks away from the crater that Whistler created and just says, people need help. And then it was one of your favorite things. It's a line of people walking. I do love a line of people walking. And Angel says, let's do what we can. Epically. With blood running down his face. With the most precious looking Giles ever. So Whistler's plan. Yes. What are you doing, man? Not being balanced. I like his horns. You could argue that last season he's kind of the villain. He's the one that pushes Angel to do this thing that Angel's too stupid to say no to. Yep, true. All of that's true. And now he's the villain of this season, and uh, it's not, we didn't really know the character that well. He was only around in a couple episodes of season two, talking about like the big moments. Well, there's been plenty of big moments. There's been sex in the sky, and neck snapping, and seed busting, and other things. Fewer big moments this season, but yes. I don't know. I just I get why he's being used. I don't know if I fully buy him as the villain, and I also don't know if I buy this like last minute redemption i think that in the show whistler came off as very much i'm here to pull the strings above everybody but i don't really get involved and i think that's the part that threw me off is how intricately involved he was in all of this do you know what i mean like he wasn't he wasn't puppeteering anything at this point he was yeah i don't even know if i buy like angel at his death would be like it's okay my friend like how old did you really know this guy he introduced you to a teenage girl when you were a few hundred years old. Weird. And then he came back. He's like, go bang that now legal blonde girl to create a new universe and kill a few billion people. And now I'm trying to kill a few billion people and you're saying that's wrong, but, you know, let me die in peace. Uh-huh. And he broke the rule. He broke the cardinal angel rule. Of? Uh, no one dies without a kiss. That's an angel rule? Not really, but it's always how it went down. Doyle dies, kisses Cordelia. Mm-hmm. Cordelia dies, kisses Angel. Mm -hmm. Fred dies, kisses Wesley. Mm -hmm. Wesley dies, kisses Illyria. Mm -hmm. He broke the rule. Who was he going to kiss? Angel. Oh, okay. Many hours later, there's a medic tent set up to try and fix all of these medical emergencies that have popped up. Luckily, people understand that magic is part of the world sometimes, so they're all okay with it being magically related injuries. And something really interesting happens is that Nadira is not dead, we find out. Nadira is in the hospital, and she's not doing particularly spunkily, but she is recovering slowly. I'm sorry, she's not what? She's not doing well. 
funkily. It's too tired. There's some kind of magic seeping through her body. That's definitely going to be a thing next season. Seeping magic? The seeping magic. And Giles goes to Angel and Faith. He's like, hey, thanks for bringing me back. This isn't really my scene, so I'm going to go see Buffy. Because I met my best friend with Buffy, and Faith gets real pissy about that. Uh, wouldn't you, though? Oh, yeah. It feels like some kind of like love triangle where Giles is picking the other girl. Yeah. I mean, not, I mean, I guess that's kind of a crap example because it's not like a romantic thing, but, you know, he's going back to the, you know, number one son. But the funny that thing. That didn't work either. No. Help me out here with metaphor. Your metaphors aren't really working. I know what you mean, though. He's picking a favorite child. Golden child. Yeah. Prodigal child. Not the problem child. The opposite. I'm a problem child. But um, the interesting thing, too, here that we learn is that Faith is leaving London. She's leaving Angel. Forever. Yeah, she's really not sure what she wants to do, but seeing Adira so filled with hate makes her realize that she needs to figure out who she is before she becomes consumed by the job and the hate. So she's going to go off with Kennedy's weird Slayer organization. Hey, she's going to get some money. With a it's deep actually scan? not a terrible plan. Yeah, I guess not. While Faith is breaking the news to Angel and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, but... She's not that bad. sorry. She's like, hey, you kind of messed everything up, so I'm gonna peace out for a bit. Thanks for helping me a few years back, but you're a level of crazy I don't need to deal with. And Angel's like, look. Makes sense. I get it. So, um, good luck, I guess. And I'll be here. This is actually sweet. Yeah, Angel. He says, I'll be here, always. Angel is there, and they're calling this section of London Magic Town now that all the magic's exploded into it, and Angel is there. He's there to help the helpless, which we haven't seen in a bit. You know, if he's going to help the helpless... Maybe he needs a logo? Maybe he needs a team. Maybe he needs an ensemble. Maybe he needs a logo. One that might look good as a tattoo. How about we stay away from that? Huh. I was 18. He made some interesting choices at the age of 18. We've really teased so many assorted tattoos throughout the run of this show. That is not my fault. This is the most overt I think we've gotten. Well, none of them are mine. Yeah. I made pretty good decisions when I was 18. That's Angel and Faith season nine. This is our first season of Angel since the After the Fall stuff ended, or the IDW stuff, I shouldn't say more specifically. Um, general thoughts, criticism, comments. Um, you missed the last part where 12-year-old... Giles was like, um, Faith, can I come back to America with you? And Faith's like, do it all by yourself. And he's like, mm, I'm I 12 and I can't. I don't have real IDs because I'm dead technically. Huh. But I really like to fly on to Kennedy's plans. That could probably be my out. Yeah. I thought that was charming. All right. Thoughts on season nine. Angel and Faith season nine. All around pretty solid. It had a very nice arc to it that was fully formed coming out of season eight of Buffy. But not insane. Like, it made sense. It became its own thing. It had a purpose. Every arc that made up season nine worked towards completing season nine. Yeah. Overall, I think this arc. Uh, whole season is very strong. The biggest aggression was probably the whole spike bug ship arc. That's not part of this necessarily, though. No. Oh, okay, that's like its own thing. Yeah, it was in one I of mean, the angel books, right? Yes, in one okay. of the library editions that was collected there. Oh, sorry. Oh. We are too fancy. But yeah, as a whole, I really do like this season. I think it's very strong. I think it's a lot stronger than the Buffy stuff. The Buffy stuff ends strong, but it's not consistent versus the Angel and Faith stuff, which is consistent all the way through. I said it in the beginning of the season, and it still stands true at the end. I don't know where I land on it. Is it a benefit that it's so directly tied to what happened before, or is it 
detracting from trying to move forward that it's so tied to what happened before I can't honestly answer that. I'm going to split that answer and say that for Angel, it was a benefit, and for Buffy, it was a drawback. That Angel really benefited from directly following the natural consequences of the end of season eight, but Buffy really floundered for a little bit, trying to find its footing and trying to find a story worth pursuing. And as I've said before, the biggest fault that I think this season has that's never really been correctly rectified is there's a lack of an ensemble. We got Gun and Connor for an arc, barely Gun. We got a bit of Connor, but Angel's supporting cast, his well-established supporting cast, wasn't utilized, and it hasn't been utilized even beyond now. And I think that's a mistake. They're good characters. They are. And especially now that Faith is headed back to the States, Angel needs somebody to play off of, or preferably many somebodies to play off of. But he gets two in his own head if he does things all by himself. Yeah, I think that's the biggest fault. And for me, that's kind of a sticking point where I'm always going to prefer the After the Fall run over stuff like this, just because that played off of the larger ensemble. This is very well written. It's very well planned out and it's much stronger than the Buffy stuff but it lacks a lot of what I love about Angel. Angel is not the most interesting part of his story. The people around him make him interesting. Yeah and how they react to him. I like having Faith being kind of polarizing. Faith as a central character works and I like bringing her more into the forefront because she always felt like a character that should have been more centralized than she was. Yeah. So it's nice seeing that but we're still lacking a well-established group that was always there. Instead. And I feel like I'm like trying to pull it down right at the end. As a whole, this is very strong stuff. It really is. I really enjoyed this season and I enjoyed that it was much more concise than Buffy season eight. Oh yeah, a million times more. I liked having the one overarching story and I liked that each arc worked towards a piece of it. But it didn't feel like yeah, it was we didn't like have a lot of those covering it. issues. No, but it also didn't feel like we were covering a checklist. Like, okay, now we have this piece and this piece and this piece. Next up is this piece. Like, it 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 worked. It worked yeah, well. I mean, compared to Buffy season eight, like this wasn't let's be big and flashy. It was we're working towards a thing. I would also always prefer that everything take place in Europe. So there's that. Oh, well, that's helpful. Overall, this is a really strong arc. Um, next season of Buffy in the next two seasons and. As of recording, we're not beyond that. I don't even know if there's going to be another season beyond that, but this creative team is going to go over to the main title being Buffy. Yeah. And well-deserved. This is a good creative team. The two of them work together very well. I like what they do. And having them being on the main title makes a hell of a lot of sense after seeing what they could do for Angel. Yeah, totally. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. They do good stuff. And what's really weird about this season is... And this goes for the Buffy side of things, too, and I don't think we're going to... I'm not sure if I'll talk about it or not, but this is the first season ever Buffy and Angel haven't interacted in some way. Yeah, directly interacted, because we had a lot of crossover, and we had a lot of, like, phone calls between different characters that relayed information, but... Even in that weird season when UPN and WB didn't want to interact, like, Buffy and Angel had, like, an off-screen interaction... That we saw on both sides, but we never got, like, the details of. So this is the first season the two of them haven't interacted, which is really weird. It's also not the last, because season 11 also has the same thing. Like, the two of them don't interact in 11. It felt weird on the Buffy side, but not so much on the Angel side. Like, Angel was so in his own world. And also, he and Buffy... He was working towards a thing to make up with Buffy. Yeah, exactly. So it didn't feel... Buffy was always the unspoken motivation 
So it didn't feel like I was missing the Buffy aspect. It's just odd. Like, it's never happened. Up until this point, that's never happened. They've always interacted. And and the angel thing, it just kind of felt like... You could like... say that they'd interact, like, depending on, like, how you want to count, like, the IDW stuff, if you want to call that, like, a season or something. Like, they didn't interact during that, but so much of that was technically within a single moment. Yeah. Like, timeline-wise, it's not a lot. Yeah. I don't um... know. Because as much as I think they have an unhealthy relationship and they shouldn't be together in any way, shape, or form, I still like seeing them together. That's weird on your part. I don't want them to be together. I just want them to be like, hey, how's it going? Let's go kill some stuff. Yeah, that's fair. And I think it's because Buffy got brought up subtly enough in the Angel stuff that it didn't it didn't feel like they were too separated between Willow coming over and Spike coming over and going back and forth and all that good stuff. And all those adventures they had with Xander. Uh-huh. Doesn't happen. Uh-uh. But, yeah, I don't know. That's more of an observation more than anything. And I think the way that Angel and Buffy ended things, they probably needed some time apart from each other. What the whole neck snapping? You know what the thing on the Buffy side of things was? It was weirder to me the lack of Giles connections that were made. I can understand purposefully trying to avoid talking about Angel, but wouldn't you want to at least be like Giles did some cool things? He did a thing or two. I don't know. That guy who gave us all of our exposition. Where is he? Dead in the ground. Now he's alive. Well, he wasn't in the ground. Clearly, we saw that whole splash page where he wasn't. Boinking. Dead. Now alive. As a tween. As a tween. Going back to America. And so, we will meet Giles back in America. Next year. Because next episode, we have to wrap up Buffy. Yay, Buffy. But it'll be good. I'm excited to... End this. End well. It does end well, which is nice. If you want to find the show, you can go to editorsnotecomics.com. It's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you want to shoot us a line, go to editorsnotecomics at gmail.com. Yeah, and tell and Zach to tell me if you actually send us an email. I never get notice of these things. If you want to find the show a whole week early, go to patreon.com slash editorsnotecomics. One dollar a month. We'll get you this show a week early every single week. It's a solid dollar. It will. Doing a lot. Doing things. It's a buck. And you know what? Will you notice a buck being gone from your wallet? Probably not. But you know who will notice it in their wallet? Us. We will. Enough of those dollars means it will be less tired recording, maybe. No. Maybe. It's not going to affect the timeline. Anyway. And of course, the show is on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Blueberry. Are those things? Yeah. Seriously? I've yeah. never heard of these things before. Yeah, they're there. But if you want to review us over on iTunes, that's the one I care about the most. Help share the well. The more re- you review us, the more other people can find us. And the more you review us, the more other people will find us and we'll beat out the other show in numbers. And by the other show, you mean? The other one I do. The Editor's Not Comics podcast that's about news and has Jared on it. We're winning this month. We are? Yeah, we are. Month's almost over. Yeah, we're winning. I'm very competitive. But help us win by a landslide. We're not winning by much. Yay. I haven't had to give Jared mac and cheese in like months. Just yourself. Yeah, that's it for now. We'll be back next week to wrap up Buffy Season 9. See you then. Au revoir.